Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is episode 232, 18 away from the, uh, the 250. We're, we're slowly getting there. I'm joined, as always, on this fine Thursday night by my co-host Prez. That is at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you? I'm good. Hanging in there. Yankees clinched. My fantasy team is in the finals. I'm mostly off of Twitter missing nonsense. So things are all right in uh, my neck of the woods here. I feel like Yankees fans are still miserable because they're just assuming they're going to lose to the Astros then, right? Is that correct? Right now, it's not quite misery. It's more just like, enjoy what we have because it could be gone at any minute. It's It's like the weird zen. Yeah, it's like a weird just zen with like, because we know the worst case. Right. And we know it's very real. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, All right, but we are joined by not a first-time guest, but first time in a long time, mostly because he's been super busy. His name is Mark Schindler. That is at MG underscore Schindler on Twitter. Okay, here's here's all the things he does. (laughs) He covers the w, or the NBA, WNBA draft and scouting for both. He's a writer for the WNBA and at Dime Uprocks. And he hosts the podcast for Indie Cornrows. And he has also been on the Athletic NBA show, Daily Ding. Did I get all that right? I probably butchered a lot of that. I think I did all right, though. No, Mark, that was perfect. <laughs> that was uh, that was spot on. I, I forget half the time myself, so that was uh, that was great. <laughs> it was like the One Blood remix. <laughs> yeah, yes. No, I'm psyched to be back, man. And especially as we're we're entering precarious times with the Knicks, so I'm sure uh, I'm ready to sit back, enjoy your rant, and uh, and get in get into it. Yes. Uh, look, I know you're fond of many Knicks. Uh, you are fond of all the all of the Knicks, I think, that we're fond of, so yeah. that makes for good content. Uh, before we get started, I just have to make an announcement to Strickland as a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod that I do every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag, the Doug bag, a.k.a. Drew Steele, hosted by Drew Steele. That comes out every other week also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. Certainly has not stopped today, thanks to one Thomas Thibodeau. Uh, there are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. Also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, as well as Jeffrey Rasmussen, two of the best, in, or three of the best in the business. Wow, I can't even count today. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. Uh, So without further ado, look, I actually did not want to discuss this, which is why I did a very actually calm 40-minute 
solo stricken roll pod that I made free for everybody because I hadn't done one in a couple weeks. And I was like, you know what? It's 40 minutes. Fuck it. I'm not going to have the production guy. Shout out Paul Dorso. Uh, I was not going to have him split this up and do, you know, the, the preview. And I was like, no, just fucking post the entire thing. Everybody can listen to me, you know, not yell, but still be angry like an idiot, right? And so I did this. I felt great. Felt fucking great after. Uh, and then today, uh, Tim, Tom Thibodeau was again asked about uh, the uh, the net ratings of Obi Toppin and Julius Randle, and proceeded to just. Well, I actually watched the game, so. Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> I, look. I don't even. I think like the really annoying thing about this is that that conversation, right? The initial purpose of that. It has nothing to do, like, the reason that matters actually has, I don't think a single soul, not a single soul, not the biggest Obi Toppin fan, not the biggest Julius Randle fan, I don't think a single one of them would tell you, oh yeah, no, those two can be, like, the front court of the future. That's not the purpose of that. The purpose of that is, like, this could be an intriguing option, and, hey, we drafted Obi Toppin eighth overall. Is this a path for him to get minutes? Is this a way to increase his minutes and get him on the floor more? That's literally the entire purpose. And now it has turned into this entire thing of like Tibbs is all like the net rating. And all. It's like, guys, that's the, first of all, the samples we're talking about are like 100, 100, like 101 minutes last year. And I'm pretty sure I've double checked this. It's about 150 minutes over two seasons. So it's not that it can't work or it does work. It's that we don't know how it works. We literally do not know. I suspect that there are matchups where it would be useful, and there are matchups where you would not want to use it. That's it. That is all this is. But I think this is an interesting conversation, at least, because Tibbs has finally, like, he did, he basically is just telling us he is not changing. That's it. I don't think he's interested in changing. You know, he, he I don't think he cares. And at the end of the day, he's a 64-year-old man. Most 64-year-olds don't have massive changes of heart over things that they're super passionate about at that age. This man has lived and breathed basketball, literally forego getting married to be married to the game. Uh, he, he's not going to change. He has studied and analyzed and done – he watches the film, right? He watches the film unlike us. I don't actually watch the games. I just talk – me and Prez just talk about it. He's bullshit. He's just fantasy sports, bro. Yeah, we just bullshit. Um, but, like, he's not going to change. So I, I'm not – to me, the, the most annoying thing about all this is that we're going to have people that are defending the stupidity – and, oh, well, it's not his fault. It's the front office's fault. Like, one, you can blame both. That's actually completely reasonable. And you should blame both, by the way. And two, like, we don't – we know – I know how this is going to end. And that's what makes it so frustrating. I, he's going to get fired at some point. It's, it's just – like, that's it. That's all there is to this. He's showing you he's not interested in changing. I don't think for one second – he cares that Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin played really well at the end of last season. I don't think he cares at all. I, I genuinely do not think that matters to him in the slightest. I don't think it changes his opinion of them, good or bad. And I think he feels that they're still best suited to be quickly off-ball guard, off the bench next to Derrick Rose, and Obi Toppin spelling Julius Randle for maybe, if we're being super aggressive, 16 minutes a game. And that's it. That's all he's going to do. And we'll just have to sit here and deal with this until 
either gets fired or they make a trade. Because until then, there's really nothing else to do. Uh, and I think that's the most frustrating part because this team, as I mentioned on the pod this morning, it has a lot of options that are flexible, that can play multiple positions, that are young. There's a, This team has depth. It might not have star quality, but it does have de- depth, which is a problematic thing in the hands of Tom Thibodeau, for sure. And I think a lot of coaches would definitely not find it the easiest to manage having 12, 13 rotation players, rotation caliber players, I should say. But there is a young and fun team here and a flexible team and a team that can throw out a variety of looks. And we're just not going to see that team at all until Tom Thibodeau is gone. And that's frustrating and sucks. And uh, that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's – I forget who I was DMing. It's, it's just really sad that, like, we have to root for the Knicks to lose. Like that's in our it, that's that's what it is right now. Like um, which I can't do. Like I literally. Yeah, I'm not gonna be it. like wait, right? We we're not gonna be like oh, like brick this shot, you motherfuckers, right? Like, but it's it's one of those situations where it's if it's a close game, right? And then if Julius is like doing ISO Julius bullshit, like, am I gonna? I'm not gonna be as mad as I would be if this was like a normal functioning team situation with a normal functioning coach or whatever. Like it's like, okay, like if I need to root for Julius to miss a midi to tip us from a dub to an L, then I'm going to do that shit. Like I did that shit last year when we were on that three and 17 or whatever we had in that horrible month. And I thought that was going to be enough to, we got really close. I'm pretty, I, I don't remember what the reporting said. Maybe he was safe, but like, it felt like the momentum was building for him to get canned. And then, Things kind of turned around just enough. And, you know, the East is really competitive. So, you know, he, we got talent, but it wouldn't take that much to self-sabotage. Um, the other thing I wanted to note that to me is funny is, like, the, this behavior from Tibbs, he just he has a level of pettiness, right? Like he constantly would leak to Berman, like stuff shitting on his own players. He himself would shit on his own players and he has no qualms or hesitations about that. He could easily just be giving cliches and being like, well, we'll see how it shakes out in training camp. Instead, he's like, nope, I'm affirmatively confirming that I'm still on that bullshit or whatever. He just doesn't give a fuck. And he, the thing that's funniest to me is how he singles out fans now. That's his new thing. Like, oh, they don't watch the games enough. And, you know, this isn't fantasy sports. And I'm like, I know for for players and younger coaches, I totally understand why they would get defensive of fan critique because they're all on social media like the rest of us. And that's a very toxic place to be as a pro athlete or a pro coach, because there's always going to be people up your ass on there. But like, is Tibbs on Twitter? Do we think Tibbs is on Twitter? Cause I like, yes. he, has, he to has to be right. He has to be because that's the only thing that can generate this level of defensive toxicity among like from an established, an established professional who's like been in the game at the top of the game many times, you know, we, you know, all his, all the shit we talk like the guy's still an NBA coach, right? Like nothing else elicits this kind of reaction in modern day life other than social media. He has to have a burner. 
Your take, Mark. <laughs> I mean, the we haven't even gotten into it. Where are we at with Tibbs having a beard? I feel like uh, this is the toxic Tibbs era. If that's the only it. change we get, and that's closest to him. At first, I was like, man, if he's willing to get a beard, maybe he'll be willing to change his rotations. But I don't. I think it's just it's almost like letting dressing it, here. What, you know, letting go with his facial hair and just appearance overall is. Uh, it's maybe it's just because he's fueling even more into not letting anything go on court. This so. is his final form now that Mark Berman is retired. I don't know if we've covered on any other episodes when the Mark Berman career retrospective, but he's gone, even though he's still shit posting on Twitter. Uh, and Berman being Tibbs' main mouthpiece. Maybe Berman, Berman being employed was the last thing, the last, the last fuck that Tibbs had left to give is now gone. So now it's growing the beard, shitting on fans, shitting on players. Have we considered that game? Tibbs and Berman are just the same person? Ah, uh, man. They do. They're both real lookers. Um, <laughs> I, it's, I don't know. It's just, I don't even know what to say about it. I just think it's really annoying that we have to deal with this. And then yeah, I think it's even more annoying that the media, not even just media, that covering the team, but you got Alan Hahn who's like carrying water for him. Like, I really wish, I need to go clip this thing he posted after we beat Miami. And he had this whole thing about like, oh, like, see, you got to play the kids now. You got to lean into the future. And now he's sitting here talking about like, oh, well, it makes sense Fournier is going to start because he can really shoot the ball and they need shooting with that team. First of all, like, let me just, I want to let everybody in on a little fucking secret, okay? Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, that lineup, unless Steph Curry is the, is the missing player in that lineup, that team's spacing is going to fucking suck, okay? That's just the reality of the situation. You're not going to have good space with that team. Like, it doesn't matter what the fuck happens. That, that team is going to have shitty spacing. Another thing, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, that front court, they've had three years together before this. It doesn't work. They have a minus net rating each year. It, it doesn't work. Like, it, they do not function well together. So now we're in year fucking four of trying to make this stupid-ass front court where neither of these fucking guys complement each other. We're trying to make this work, Okay. And on top of that, if he starts Fournier, guess what's going to happen? Guess who has to now again defend the best perimeter player on the other team and probably will be demoted to the third option once again, maybe the fourth option, like he was at the start of last year where Tim's told him to go stand in the fucking corner and take spot-up threes the entire time. That might be what we're in for. And that, that team's defense is not going to be good. It's not going to live up to par. That starting lineup, let me just say that specifically. That starting lineup's defense will not be good, will not be up to par. and. That team is like, is that is that team getting run off the floor against like fifteen teams in the league because it's just not athletic at all. There's like, you know, like you're not talking about a team that can compete athletically at a high level. And that's not to say like Grimes in place of Fournier all of a sudden turns you into some like super awesome, you know, dynamic athletic team. No, but it get, it gives you a guy who one can defend the best player the best perimeter player on the other team, okay? That saves R.J. Barrett oh, some workload. I, I don't remember. I, I wish I bookmarked it and looked it up before. Somebody, some one of those fucking, you know, uh, what is it? the B-ball index, one of their fucking charts came out. It was like, R.J. Barrett's workload is fucking crazy, basically. It's like on par with Jimmy Butler in terms of the quality of opponents he had to defend as well as the usage rate he carries on offense. Um, so, like... 
he's going to be doing this again, and he's probably not going to get any prioritization offensively again. And what is the point of any of this? Like, what, we can sit here, and I can love Emmanuel quickly, and RJ Barrett, and Obi Toppin, and Quentin Grimes, and Deuce McBride. I can love all these kids, but if you don't give a fuck about opening up minutes for them, and you have a coach who really doesn't give a fuck about opening up minutes for them and developing them, then who gives a fuck about any of this shit? Like, why am I supposed to give a flying fuck? I, I, I'm supposed to care that Leon Rose loves these guys and that we hired a bunch of development staff and analytics guys and now we're a modern organization, but we don't actually take the final step of like, okay, now we are going to put it on you guys and we want to see what you can do. Why is that so hard? Why is that asking too much? Like, that is, it is the bare minimum. You could, Derek Rose is going to, I promise you, I, I, I will guarantee this. Derrick Rose will play more minutes than Emmanuel quickly. He will get way more on-ball reps than Emmanuel quickly. What the fuck does that do for this team? In this, like, what does that do? We maybe somehow I I don't even think we necessarily win more games. We'll just let's operate on the assumption that we would win more games this year. Is this team competing for anything this year? Is the if everything that Tibbs chooses hits the 99th percentile outcome, what is the ceiling of this team? Like a second round exit? Maybe like. I, it's there's and and you're gonna like it just it's so stupid the way we're going about this. They should have fired Tibbs at the end of last year. They didn't do it. They needed to move Julius Randle. They didn't do it. They also didn't move Fournier or Rose, which blocks minutes for half these young guys. This is all stupid. The front office has fucked this up, and they have tied themselves to a coach who is like you know he is fucking I don't even know what a fictional character comparison is he's literally what is he like fucking john snow or something except not honorable just an asshole uh like we I did no this. we covered this last week remember yeah like <laughs> he he's just absurd like it is stannis like he is so fucking rigid and in, it's like ingrained in him and nothing you tell him can change his mind it's driving me nuts and do i think tibbs is incompetent absolutely not tibbs very clearly understands the game. He definitely still has a defensive scheme that when executed properly makes sense and can be effective. But that's he, he will not adapt. He will not evolve. He will not change anything about, you know, he has whatever he thought needed to be done as a coach back in 2010, that is still what he believes are the things that win you games and the things that will make you most successful now. He will not adapt. And I think part of the reason that the Randall and Obi thing, he just won't do it. And if he does do it, he doesn't, like, he'll have them play drop. What is the point of that? Like, you're not going to, like, yeah, you're not going to succeed if you have Randall and Obi both playing drop coverage as the four and five. You want to know why? Because neither of them is going to be good protecting the rib in drop coverage. Like, you have to be able to be like, okay, well, this is worth exploring. And maybe if I do this, I'll trap or a blitz or a double whatever the fuck it is you have to do something that's completely different switch like you have to do something different from drop coverage drop coverage drop coverage and we saw this in the fucking hawk series where he just wouldn't he just drop constantly drop constantly drop except for maybe in the fourth quarters then he would switch more like he is a, he's he's not even like a dinosaur because i don't even think the things that he believes are necessarily outdated but he just has one mode all the time and that is it. There's no thought to 
a grander kind of vision. And the front office, for all their machinations and asset collection and good drafting, they are now at the point where they are culpable for any of all of this shit. You know, you want to go trade for a star? You want to know how you trade for a star? If you want to do that, you play your fucking young guys so that people around the league will actually value them. Because if you don't play your young guys, why the fuck is anybody else going to – oh, well, you don't tell me you guys think he's awesome. You're only playing him 20 minutes a night. Why would why should anybody else think that your young players are awesome if you don't even have the faith to to put in them that they're awesome? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid on both the executive level, at, at management level, and – from the coaching level, it's a bo- they're both abominations, um, and I am already miserable about. It. I've been saying this all summer. I think this year is going to fucking suck as long as we have this logjam of veterans. Randall is still here, and Tibbs is here. There's no way that this is going to be a fun season for fans. We might win some games. It's not going to be fun. And I can promise you, people are going to be fucking miserable. I'm going to be miserable, and there will be idiots like Alan Hahn be like, oh, well, the Knicks are 42 and 40. You should be happy. Like, no. That's not he, even going to happen. That's not. But even if it did, who the fuck cares? With like, right. how are we going to do that? Yeah, it's that's so fair. stupid. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't. I, the, the talent evaluation is just so bad, and it – it's to the point where, like, I, I had a longer rope with the front office, but especially if they don't have a short rope, I don't like. They need to have a short rope, and I they feel like there's been no reporting that like there's scrutiny or a hot seat or anything like that yet. Um, you know, because of the end of the season was almost like a. It feels like it should have been more of a um what's the word? More of a like evaluation of him and instead it was like, okay, there's injuries now, the slate is kinda wiped. That's kind of the vibe I got from it. And now he's just starting over and it's like the stuff at the end of the season didn't matter and the stuff right before that when we were dog shit didn't matter. And they're just gonna go back and run everything back with Jalen Brunson and Brunson's do you know, really. Do you know who Tibbs is? Tibbs is Tibbs is Colonel Jessup. He's Colonel Jessup from A Few Good Men. That's what he is. That's exactly what he is. Like he's like it's it's my unit. I run my unit. How I run my unit. Like that's Tibbs. Nobody can tell him what to do. Right. Nobody can calm down and tell him this is what he should do. That's what he is. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. It just came to my mind. That's good. He oh, was really good. He could also be like uh, my guy from Lord of the Rings. Um, Denethor, y'all remember him? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. He he could be Denethor. He could just be Sauron. We just need somebody. No, Sauron's like uh, he's no, he's Denethor. not fucking Sauron. All right, yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> Denethor because Denethor is like a dipshit with too much power when he shouldn't have power, and then it took fucking Gandalf knocking him upside the head <laughs> for him to just like get knocked out and and fix the situation. So we need somebody from the front office to be Gandalf and just knock him upside the head, Brock Aller, when you're listening. And um wouldn't it be funny if Brock Aller was like a Patreon subscriber? It would be really funny if we fired Leon Rose and Brock Aller got the job and immediately fired Tim That would be That funny. shit would be fucking I had a I had a friend of mine who's a scout where uh I think Sashin Gupta was a Patreon subscriber of his for like a couple months actually. So it happens. Yeah. I've there's definitely 
like I, I don't even mean to like toot our own horn, but like there's a hundred percent people in the front office. I don't know if it's the top or the bottom, but like it's a big fucking front office, right? Compared to other teams, like there's definitely people. One of you motherfuckers is listening to this shit. I know it. I know it. You live and breathe the Knicks. This is the like. Let's be real. Like this KFS. Like I know you hear this shit. <laughs> Somebody in there hear that shit. You may have no voice, but we hear you. <laughs> we hear you. We know what you're saying. Um, nah, man. It's just. It's just it, it. It's just really depressing, and like it sucks because not only the young guys, but like this. Like I like Fournier, I like Brunson, I like Rose. Like yeah, I'm gonna have to hate these guys. Exactly, that's the worst <laughs> fucking. It's it's almost like what happened with with AB last year, but like the whole no, fucking we, we roster. Always, we always resisted that. What do you mean? <laughs> we always resisted. It was always we did, but like yeah. during the games, I'd be like fucking Alec Burks, like. Ah, like, like I mean, there's nothing he could do, right? He, they, they told him to play point guard. He can't have, like, a hunger strike in the middle of the court. <laughs> and all he could do is try, and he always did. It was never effort with AV. So you're right. We did resist that on some level. But, like, fuck, man. Like, I, like even, like, just, you know, you know me. Like, I, I like Forty. I like watching him for France. I like watching him on other teams. I would fucking love watching him off the bench on the Knicks because he should be able to run more pick and roll than he does standing in the corner and shit like that under Tibbs' boring-ass offense. Um, so it, it, it's just a shame. Like it's, And then the the one who I feel the most bad for is, like, is kind of Jalen Brunson. Well, him and RJ. Um, RJ because he's just not in a good situation and he deserves better. But Jalen's going to be in this situation where he's almost self-sabotaged. Well, not self-sabotage, but sabotaged by the, the coach in the front office because this is, like, his moment. He got paid. He's going to be the – like, I'm sure Julius and RJ are going to get a lot of reps, but, like, Jalen's going to have more reps than he did in Dallas, and it's in his hometown. He's trying to – he's got a chip on his shoulder, right, all that shit, and he's going to be in a lineup that plays a lot of minutes together, and him and, what, Fournier are going to have to – guard these fucking murderers row of guards throughout the NBA every night. Like that's not going to be fun. That's not going to be a good look. Like that just sucks for him. Like you sign, like you join a new team and you hope they put you in a position to be successful. And he might be a little bit successful on offense just because he's incredibly talented, but like you're not getting the spacing. You don't have guys who can cover for your weaknesses or amplify your strengths except for maybe rj so it, it, it's just whack even from a like from mark's perspective like not as a knicks fan but as somebody who just wants fun basketball and guys to be like optimized and shit it's just fucking sad it makes sense because obi toppin and mark are the two happiest people in america all the time <laughs> Who just are always smiling and wishing well upon people like young Mr. Rogers or something. <laughs> I'd like to think I dress cooler than young Mr. Rogers, but yeah. Well, young, he, you know, would young Mr. Rogers have worn black Air Forces? Probably not. Probably uh, not, because black or Air Forces are a sign that despite your friendly demeanor, you don't want to mess with Mark. <laughs> That's what it means. 
Oh man, that what are we, that what Cleveland are we come out. I don't even remember what we're getting into today. Uh, well, oh, we did have an idea. That's right. I completely well, forgot. Yeah, I, I got Mark. You're you're not an Knicks fan, so you can answer. Like, do you think Knicks fans are being absurd? That we're like, do we sound absurd? Do we sound ridiculous? Where you're like, why are you this upset about these decisions? Like, you know, it's not even in, preseason, you know. Yeah, and like topping and quickly our third year players, like you have time to figure it out. Like, is that crazy? Because I really don't. I feel like out from the outside looking in. I mean. I've actually been kind of surprised at like how many people in the national media are, are like pretty bullish on the Knicks in the sense of like they can be an above five hundred team because to me, and I, I think this is where for sure we're probably too pessimistic. We're like, I don't even care about being an above five hundred team when I, I feel like the process is going to be miserable. So that's kind of I think like where there's discrepancy. I don't know. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of JID, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I personally just love the, uh, the, the earbud tap functions. Those are really nice. Uh, the awareness mode is also great because as soon as you turn on your little Bluetooth thing on the phone, it automatically locks in. And uh, let me tell you, I go on a run every single day. I can't hear anything uh, when I have these in. So highly recommend, have enjoyed my usage of them. Uh, go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. Yeah, I I think, you know, I've really been trying to sort out my Knicks thoughts recently. And I think for me, it's tough because, like, I look at this team, even just, like, looking at the roster now, like, there isn't really a single guy on this team I dislike, to be honest, other than, like, I'll be honest, like I'm pretty down on Mitch Rob right now. Like I think this is he needs to have a really good season for me, especially with the extension he just got. I know 
60 million for four years isn't a ton, but I, it was just a weird, we've talked about it. It's not nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, they did things that I liked, like Isaiah Hartenstein was arguably the best backup in the league last year. I think that you shoe that in, especially for like as much as, um, like, I think it kind of went under the radar last year, how terrible the backup bigs were like Taj was like he still does he's in the right places but like clearly had to play too much last year um Nerlens was just kind of awful um like I think adding in Hart does some stuff but again like like you're talking about I think for me it's so much more of like okay this is year what four I mean not four year three of Obi Toppin like and the fact that we're still having to ask these questions about a lottery pick and not just a lottery pick, like top half of the lottery pick is wild to me. Like he just hasn't prioritized. And again, it feels like not even just feels like, I mean, it's very clearly Tibbs who hasn't prioritized it. It's a lot. I mean, the front office has been about getting top in, in quickly minutes, but Tibbs is not, which that's on the front office. In my opinion, I, I think if, if they're not going to be aligned on it, then okay, fire him and get somebody in there. Who is going to be aligned on that? Cause like you said, I really liked what you said about like this team just needs to play the young guys. Like, I got pushback on this, but like, because it was, I think I was responding to one of you guys on Twitter, but I was like, it was just me like posting a meme of me getting angry when, when Derek Rose plays more minutes than Emmanuel quickly. And I'm like, that's not even like shade to D Rose. There are reasons to shade him. Um, But like, I mean, D Rose is still a good player, but if he's playing more than Emmanuel quickly this year, what is the point? That's, I mean, like, that's just very clearly like, okay, this is going to be year 14 of Derek Rose. Emmanuel quickly is headed into year three, and I think you saw a lot of positive signs of growth last year, especially when he got the ball in his hands even more. And I just don't think that that's worth sacrificing. Same thing with, like, you're talking about with Toppin. Like, okay, I'd so much rather see Obi Toppin play 25 trending upwards minutes um, than seeing, like, even more Julius minutes. And not even, like, that he can't do things that are positive, but it's just, like, exactly like you're talking about. Like, there just needs to be – a full lean into them playing young. Well, so like you can still have veteran talent and play young, but it's just, right. There's just clearly not an actual commitment from tips to do that. And it's just frustrating. It's, uh, it's, it's so bad. It's this, maybe I got to get off Twitter or something like that. It, it's just annoying that I got to deal with other fucking people who try to sell it as, useful in any type of way like it's not useful long term and it's not useful for winning right now like if we win it'll be off the backs of like julius regressing up a teeny bit on shooting the backup center minutes not being a complete shit show like you said and then jalen brunson being a natural upgrade from fucking point burks but that's not that's not process change that's like you you plugged in better variables from the front office, which is great. And that's, that's what the front office should do. But like it, it's you're, you, you're changing the windows on a house that sucks. I don't know. I'm just pulling metaphors out of my ass here. And it's, it's just a kind of a boring concept because like you said, even if that's good, even if that's 500 or near the plane or whatever, well, like who cares? Right. Like it's, it's like, how does that put us closer so, to getting another superstar? That's what this comes down to. So I think what the problem is, is like if the first year, like we move into a starter house, right? It's a nice starter house. We spruce it up. It's a nice place. It's not the biggest one. It's fine. 
after a couple of years, we're like, you know what? We need to upgrade. We try to upgrade. The upgraded house sucks. Like it's, you know, fucking leaking. We didn't anticipate that. You know, it's too close to the subway or some shit. So they're like, shit's rocking all the time. Whatever the fuck the case is, it's just not, it's not what it is. So we're like, but we still have all this awesome shit from the old place. You know, like what should we do with this? Where do we go with this? Like we got all this new furniture for this place. It's just, I don't even know what the hell my analogy is. But the point is, is like you had, like you can look internally for solutions. It doesn't always have to be, well, we have to go externally. And so an example of that would be like, Mark, you just, you just talked about this. And I totally agree with this. I brought this up before. Last year, I, we talked about this at the time, but last year, especially before All-Star break, before Jericho Sims got in the rotation, those the the five minutes were really bad to start the year, and then they became just the backup five minutes were really bad once Mitch like rounded into shape, right? But like that that was the opportunity, and again, it didn't need to be a twenty minute a night game thing. It could have just been a couple minutes in each half, but that was an opportunity to be like, let's just see what Toppin and Randall could do together. That was the perfect opportunity to try it. That was the perfect opportunity, and we never took advantage of it. Not once, you know, and that's the that's the stuff where it's like, it's not concerning to me that Tibbs's baseline is that like this is not a viable long term thing. I'm fine with that. I agree with that. I don't. I'm not expecting you know starting lineup to come out. It's Randall and Obi, and I'm like, yep, this is it. We're going. Like, no, that's not what I want. But like to me, it just shows that he has no. There's no willingness to explore things and see if. Like, he uses the word situational all the time, but he never thinks situationally. He never thinks like, oh, well, maybe in this situation, this thing would work, right? Like, never. It never crosses his mind. It's always the same thing. Uh, and I want to read this off because I find this very funny. Last year, post-All-Star, okay? I'm just going to read off total minutes by each player for the top 10 guys. The top, whatever. You'll, you'll see right after. R.J. Barrett, 830 minutes. Alec Burke, 774 minutes. Evan Fournier, 677 minutes. Emmanuel Quickly, 632 minutes. Julius Randle, 510 minutes. Julius missed eight games, by the way. Mitchell Robinson, 500 minutes. Jericho Sims, 438 minutes. Obi Toppin, 416 minutes. Obi fucking Toppin, our eighth overall pick from two years ago, played less minutes post-All-Star than Jericho fucking Sims. And that is not a knock on Jericho Sims, but that is a knock on the ridiculous stringent nature of what Obi Toppin's role was last year. That is a joke. That is absolutely absurd for that to be the case. I I, I don't care that Obi missed five games with an injury. I don't care. Because it didn't it shouldn't matter. He could have missed fucking fifteen games and I still would have been like, why is he playing less than Jericho since? It's it's just like you know and and you know, as you mentioned, like, yeah, we can sit here and say Tibbs fucked this up, Tibbs is fucking up, he's not playing this guy enough. But if you allow that to happen at some point as a front office, that's on you. Like, if if my if somebody that's working for me keeps fucking up and I'm just like, Well, maybe next time they'll they'll figure it out, they'll do it better, it'll be if that keeps fucking up at some point that's on me, right? Like the repercussions fall on me. So I don't know. this entire thing is just really frustrating because again, like it just feels like, oh, we had a point guard issue last year. So, like, okay, let's sign Jalen Brunson, which I'm fine with. Good signing, good player. I think the contract is good. I'm fine with that. But, like, you also saw that quickly took a step last year, right? So shouldn't you, you can prioritize both. Like, at that point, it should have been an organizational 
decision, Derrick Rose needs to be gone. And or if he's still here, he is not playing. That like he's not playing over Emmanuel quickly. That should be an organizational decision. And if you cannot make a simple organizational decision like that, then you are fucking up. And that is where we're at. Because do you like I mean, look, I'm sure you guys have heard plenty of quotes from the Knicks stuff. Like, do either of you think Derrick Rose is not gonna play? Oh, definitely not. Yeah, like he's gonna play. So it's just I don't know. Um I think about that and I just it just frustrates me. Uh, it, and then, like, look, Cam Reddish, who knows if he's good or not, but you traded a fucking protected first-round pick for him. So and he's in a contract here. We just – we're good. Like, we're not – no, we're just – just let Tibbs do whatever Tibbs does. Like, what was the point of trading for him? It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And these are the things where it's, like, accumulating stuff is good, but, like, nobody loves a hoarder, right? Hoarders are inefficient at a certain point. If you keep hoarding all this shit, like, it's a problem. And – you know, I mean, me, me and Prez talked about this all summer. Like, if you did not get off of at least one of Rose or Fournier and and Randall also, but like, especially one of those two, which should have been easier than Randall, like, you were going to put yourself in this position. And we are in this position. Um, and, um, you know, now I have to hear from people like Alan Hahn, who's apparently, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau's fucking uncle, uh, that, you know, actually, you know, everybody would play the veteran over the young guy until the young guy clearly proves it. And it's like, buddy, I saw Memphis, like, willingly start Zaire Williams last year at the four multiple times. That's the most the most frustrating thing to me personally throughout this whole saga has always been this fucking conflation of, like, the assumption that these young players can't contribute to winning teams and to do so is experimental boarding bordering on some like G League just G League nonsense. Like, no, these teams a quote unquote experiment by playing young players all the fucking time. They change they do weird shit all the fucking time. It's not just like Eric Spolstra in Miami. All these coaches do that shit and make changes that are dramatic mid season all the fucking time. Boston made it to super far last year. And one of the reasons was because they ch- changed how their offense, they changed the role of their point guard. They didn't have a real point guard. And they were like, Marcus Smart, run some fucking pick and rolls for like the first time since Oklahoma or whatever. Like the, 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 the Raptors have a all NBA caliber combo guard. And they were like, we're going to run the offense through Pascal and through for shorter stretches, Scotty. And then a little bit through Fred, but like they, if you listen to these people who defend Tibbs, you would think that that stuff is like, like, like another sport entirely. Like literally you go down the league. Like there's a few teams where it's very obvious how they should play and they just play that way. Right. Like the Mavs with Luca or the Embiid Sixers or whatever. And it's more traditional, but like the heat. You know, like, not so much when they got Kyle Lowry, but before that, like, running so much of the offense through Bam, and now, like, using their six-man Harrow, you know, we fucking hate on him all the time, loser-ass Harrow, but, like, they give him the most shots on the team, like, more than Jimmy fucking Butler, even though he's whatever, 20-whatever years old, and, like, you go into the Western Conference, and it's the same shit, so it's, like, teams use young players in prominent role player roles and even more than that 
all the fucking time. They change things up mid-season all the fucking time. It, you know, framing all of our requests as, like, unreasonable experimentation, right? Like, I don't even like Obi and Randall together. Compared to the rest of, like, the Strickland crew, like, I don't care. Like, I'm... Whatever. Like, Obi needs to play, and he needs to play by fucking Randall playing less. It's, like... I Like, I, I care a lot about root protection and, and big centers, whatever. But, like, that's not the point. The point is, like, you... It's not some sort of sacrilegious tank job to try shit out. Like, the, they're good teams that try things out with the hope of going from good to better. So don't tell me the fucking mid-ass New York Knicks are so sound in our strategies and execution that we can't fucking tweak a little bit for the sake of improving and by doing doing so, by doing things that aren't even that controversial, right? Like IQ playing more, Julius Randle playing 30 minutes instead of 35. Like nobody's saying run point through Mitchell Robinson here or something completely outlandish. And it's it's the framing of like... what he did off the dribble in, a, in an empty gym? Listen, nobody watches and enjoys more Mitch off the dribble work than Prez does. But uh, yeah, sometimes... Sometimes even Mitch will test my limits for that sort of stuff. But it, I don't know. It's just like, it's gaslighting, right? Like, it's, it's what it is. Like, we've seen it from people within Nick's Twitter. We've seen it from people in the Nick's media orbit. And they just, like, slurp up the bullshit that Tibbs is serving. And it, it, it he's so behind the curve compared to other coaches that I don't think, I, that's, that's one thing I don't think other I, th- I don't think a lot of people appreciate that within Knicks world because by definition, they have to watch mostly the Knicks. And by definition, they don't have time to watch other coaches and other teams that much. Like, full stop, until the playoffs. And then, so you get what I call Knicks goggles. And if you're the type of person who defers to the authority of the popular person or paid person or whatever, like Tibbs, then you're going to say, oh, what he's doing must be within the realm of reasonableness. Therefore, what people are asking him to do that he is not doing must therefore be unreasonable. That's the chain of thought rather than, you know, somebody like Mark or, you know, other national media folks who watch other teams a lot and the Knicks and might be like, well, yeah, this is kind of stodgy old offense and it doesn't really do anything and these kids seem pretty good but like they're not getting minutes which seems kind of weird because the vets aren't that great right like it's a reason why guys like zach Lowe and mark and all these other people are kind of like what, what the fuck is really going on here in new york and then the dub nicks beat writers and msg people and half of nick's twitter is just like no like this this has to be somewhat reasonable because otherwise why would he not do that and i'm like this is a circular logic that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, nothing, nothing about playing Burks at point guard was logical. Like it, it just not actually no. Let me rephrase that. Nothing about starting Burks over quickly at point guard, especially after the All Star break, was logical. No one can ever explain to me what the logic was behind that and why that was allowed to happen. He played him more months in or more minutes in the month of March than Nikola Jokic, Alec Burks. What the fuck is wrong with you? That's crazy. That's crazy. Was Jokic hurt? No, it just Burks was just playing that much, man. Like it was crazy. I, I mean, I don't. Jokic was who the hell knows? Jokic is like 
one of the great mysteries uh, in the history of the world. Nikola uh, <laughs> Jokic is as good a basketball as he is. Um, no, I just I don't. I, I really hate talking about. This. I'm actually what we were supposed to talk about today is related to this. It was about optimizing the team's rotations and lineups, uh, but without like crazy things that we know aren't going to happen, like. Julius Randle being traded. But actually, you know, like, I don't even think we can do the Knicks with this because I truly think if we're being realistic, Fournier, Rose, and Randle are all going to play. And because they're all going to play and be in the rotation, there is no way that I think that you can optimize this team. I just don't. I really don't. It's sad. Um, the only way you can optimize this team within the realm of it's not even really optimize it's just like tweak but like again this this outcome would be very surprising to me at this point but given that we still have julius fournier and rose uh, to me optimization with those guys within reason so you can't just be like sit at home derek (laughs) or whatever would be uh quickly becomes the sixth man in the d rose role so he's the one who's like closing games getting occasional 30-minute stints or whatever, um, also playing with your starting point guard as a backcourt. Um, Rose takes the quickly role, which means he gets between 5 and 15 minutes. Fournier comes off the bench. Grimes starts. Um, Fournier is, is the one who has his role changed the most out of all of these guys. Um and then Randall's minutes get limited to max 30, leaving at least 18 for OB. Um, and then you throw in a couple of uh, small ball minutes to get OB over the 20-minute mark. To me, that's like, with any other stubborn coach, I'd be like, this is a reasonable, optimistic rotation. But with Tibbs, it seems like asking for the moon. <laughs> With the current roster, anyway, that's my pitch. Cam still probably doesn't see minutes in this scenario. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.